Hi everyone, you're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. Before we get into it today, I just wanted to take a second to let you all know that I'm starting a mailing list to keep you talking about the Passion fans abreast of my activities, both musical and podcastical. Uh, the Niagara Moon newsletter, it's coming. Updates on new songs, videos, gigs, podcast episodes, of course, all that cool stuff. If you're at all interested in what I'm doing, definitely sign up. I've attached a link you can go to to submit your email address in the episode description for this podcast. Even if you don't go to that link, just go to niagaramoonmusic.com and you'll see where to sign up right on the homepage. So do it up. I promise I won't spam you. For this week, episode 18 is going to be divided up into two parts. For part one, I'm talking to Samuel Orson, one of the members of the band Shit Ghost. And for part two, I talked to the actual Shit Ghost, which was an unusual experience, somewhat uncomfortable at first, but I grew to like the guy. So definitely check that out as well. Uh, but regarding Samuel Orson, Sam is the co-founder and primary creative force behind the bizarre psychedelic rock collective Shit Ghost. They're quite an oddity, really have to be seen to be believed. Uh, in addition to that, Sam also has his solo project, where he makes lovely, soothing instrumental music on the guitar. He is, in fact, a phenomenal guitarist with a very unique approach to playing the instrument, which he explains in our interview. But before we hear that, I'm going to play a track from Shit Ghost's upcoming debut album. The song is called The Creation.
How long have you been playing music? I've been playing since basically high school. Growing up, I was playing all throughout, you know, when I was younger too, kind of messing around. But I started taking it a little more seriously when I went to high school. Uh, and I was playing drums, and I would play, you know, drum line, marching band, jazz band, orchestra, orchestral drumming, all that kind of stuff. So my formal training is in percussion and drumming. And that's kind of how I met the drummer who plays with Shit Ghost now, Brian. We grew up together playing drums over in Spokane. And he moved over here about a year ago, and then we started messing around with some more psychedelic projects like this one. So Shit Ghost is you and Brian? Yeah. Brian and I, and then a team of visual artists as well, videographers, painters. And we incorporate all the stuff they do into the show and into the whole project. And what do you play? In Shit Ghost, I play the guitar and sing. Sing heavily, you know, modified, of course. Yeah, singing nonetheless. It was one of those things where I don't, I'm not really, uh, I'm pretty self-conscious about my singing voice, but I was able to find this effect in there with a heavy vibrato and reverb that would kind of auto-tune it in a way and mask it to make it sound in a way that I felt comfortable with it. still sounded cool and I could have lyrics to the songs as a whole new element to the project. At first, the first few shows we did were purely instrumental. And in my head, I'm like, this is going to be an instrumental, uh, you know, kind of hardcore noise band. And then it ended up being a little more dancey, a little more groovy, and added the vocal effect. And I had, then I really got excited about it because I'm like, now we're on to something with this. It's a vocal effect I hear Animal Collective using sometime. Really? I don't know if you've, yeah. Not, not that I'm uh, familiar with, but I did see them play live at uh, the Neptune of like a year or so, two years ago, maybe three years ago. It was a long time. Back oh. when they had the teeth thing going on. <laughs> it was really awesome. But yeah, I don't listen to them too much outside of that. So Okay. Yeah, I think they definitely have a couple songs that have that vibrato effect. It makes you stop sounding like a human being. Yeah, it's, it's kind of common now that people are just like uh, finding their own sound behind these vocal effects. So that becomes their kind of sound versus just having how it used to be, just people singing, you know, their own voice is their own voice. Now someone's voice is whatever effects they choose to use to modulate it. Yeah, I think that producer um, Madlib, when he raps, he always pitch shifts his vocals up, like so it's almost like chipmunk level, and that's like his signature <laughs> style. <laughs> that's, sounds obnoxious, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it works for him, I guess. Do you remember what first got you inspired about music, like when you uh, started playing it? So it was actually super funny. It was elementary school. There was an elementary school talent show, and Brian, my friend slash drummer, was playing a song, a Green Day cover with another friend of mine, and it was just him playing drums and the other dude singing. There was no guitars, anything like that. So it's really, it was honestly really, really bad. But I, I saw him play the drums. I'm like, that looks so cool. Like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be a drummer. Just looks fun to do. Looks fun and, like, you just look super cool, like, playing the drums. So I, I was more, in, like, wanted to play the drums so I could be cool, you know, have something, you know, because it's also something that not a lot of people did that I, I knew. And, you know, I was kind of inspired just by the very basis of I wanted to do something different. I wanted to look cool. Ever since then, it slowly started growing to... You know, I was doing it like all the time and then it just kind of became my life because the people who I was surrounding with were making music all the time. So naturally you start making more music and it just ended up being kind of just like where it was a gra- more of a gradual thing. And the next thing you know, now I'm here and I'm like, wow, now I'm, this is what I am now. Like there's, <laughs> I'm a musician for better or for worse. What kind of music were you listening to growing up? I was super into uh, like the 
hardcore screamo emo bands like oh really like circus survive seosin any like from first to last i like have the, no idea what any of these bands oh are. they're i mean they're all the same for the most part but just like the whiny emo screamo really fast drums really loud distorted guitars uh, i was into that until forever but i also had this big infatuation with dave matthews band and that was like one of my favorite uh, still to this day is like my favorite band and what i draw most of my inspiration from uh, I love those guys, especially if you listen to me drumming on any of the other bands I play with or any other records. I My drumming style is super heavily influenced by uh, Carter Beaufort, which is the drummer for Dave Matthews. It's like super, it's more intricate, it's more melodic. Kind of jazzy? Kind of jazzy, yeah. So I, I like to do that, and it's kind of hard to find bands to play with that are accepting of that now, understandably so, because a lot of bands just need like a, more of a drummer, a heavy hitter, or just someone to kind of keep the beat. And I like to play like more intricate, jazzy stuff, and there's not always a place for that, so it's hard to find projects that are like into the kind of style I play. And if I'm not playing the exact style I want to play, then I'm like not into the project, and then it doesn't really last too long. Hmm. Yeah, it can be tricky. Like when you form a band, people have a certain style they want to play, and maybe that doesn't show itself right away. You know, they try to accommodate a song or two but as you get more into it it's like well i keep wanting to play this way and yeah this it's really serving me it's hard it's harder for the drummer to be that much in control and understandably so only and i like to have a lot of control over the stuff that's being made and so and ultimately the only way for me to have that control was to be like the person in charge the yeah. person writing the music just Otherwise, end up having your own project yeah and that, i was talking to um john from monster watch you had on here the other day and he was a drummer also growing up and he said he has the kind of same issue I have of you want to have a lot of control over the project. And he's like, in order to do that, I have to be in charge of the band, so I can't be a drummer. So he's like, I'm going to go buy this cheap guitar and I'm going <laughs> to form my own punk band and that'll be it, you know? So, you know, if you want to have that control, you have to be willing to, you know, step up, have the leadership and actually take control of the project as well. Um, where did you grow up? So I went to high school in eastern Washington in Spokane. And before that, my whole family, we grew up Mormon and everybody is down in Utah, southern Utah. Oh, really? It's like the Zion area. Like, that's where my whole family is located, between there and Salt Lake. So I spend most of my time, and now my family has moved back to Utah, so I have no ties to Spokane anymore, no real reason to go back there except to see friends. Yeah. So now my home base is, for most people, it's Zion is like what you refer to as how they recognize it. Um, but it's like just a little town right outside there. Yeah, I'd never been to Utah. I don't really know much about uh, the culture out there. But you, you, grew up, you grew up a Mormon? I grew up Mormon. I still consider myself, like, not super Mormon, but I have nothing. I love it. It's great. It's a great religion, and but probably not for me. And my lifestyle choices probably definitely don't align with a lot of the things of the Mormon culture. So I mean, what's the role of, like, the artist or the musician in, like, a Mormon society? Um, they are actually, there's a lot of really, really talented Mormon painters that are coming from Zion and BYU and stuff like that. There's definitely a, a spot for them to express themselves in certain ways. You wouldn't think it's all at all limited or anything by their religion or anything like that. It's, you know, there's definitely a different place for, you know, if you're being a musician trying to be like a rock star, that's probably not going to fit in with the Mormon ideals if you want to do it the way like I want to do it, so... What what happens when you have a band called Shit Ghost? Oh, yeah. Explaining that to people. That was actually funny because I, I named the band, had a few songs out, and had a you know weekly conversation with the parents one day, and they're like, what are you up to? I'm like, I started this new band. It's called Shit Ghost. 
And I'm like, they're gonna be, they're not gonna like that. But they were actually super into they're it. They're okay thought, with it. They thought it was funny. They thought it was, and they can't stop saying it is the other funny thing, which is one of the reasons I like the name so much. Is you hear the name and then it just like sticks with you. Yeah, I won't deny that it's very catchy. Yeah, but I mean, it, it essentially means like a fart, right? <laughs> and it, no, I don't, I don't think that's it not was what like, you had in mind. No, I just think I wanted something that was light and fun, whimsical, just kind of like a weird thing, you know, something that doesn't really make a lot of sense, because that's kind of how our, our show is. You can go in and it gives you no concept of what the show is going to be like. Yeah, there's not very much context. No, as to there's what's no going context. On. Like a, a lot of the stuff we do, there's no context to a lot of it. So. I think that's a good way to kind of set the stage for the show and you know what we're about to do and all the music, just kind of no context, kind of random, really light, really fun, but at the same time, super psychedelic and spooky in a way, because it is a little bit of a scary show. It can be. So how did you go from playing drums in high school, like in all these different kind of scenarios to doing this surrealist, psychedelic sort of rock band thing? So the music I play now is super influenced by fingerstyle guitar. Andy McKee, open tuning kind of music. So when I came to college, I started messing around with that a little bit. And so I was playing, started playing guitar in college. And because I couldn't really play drums because I was, you know, living in a frat. There was no place yeah, to keep no it. access to a drum set. No access to a drum set, but I still wanted to play music. So I was able to do it with this finger style technique, you know, like just laying on the lap and tapping it. And I feel like I got really uh, good at that. And then slowly would like build up this repertoire of more like little effect pedals and loop pedals and stuff like that. And after just like messing around on the effects for like those four years, I'd come up with like a lot of really cool trippy stuff, but I'm like, I'm never going to really use this. And then now I'm using it, in a, you know, a way that sounds really cool, really unique. What's cool about it, I think, is it's going to be almost impossible for anybody to Oh, it's it's definitely not going to be impossible, but really hard for somebody to try and cover a song because the effects we're using are so weird and the tunings we use in our songs, it's all they're all open tunings and it'd be really hard to, unless I was like showing you exactly how to do it to figure it out. It's almost like you can only get that sound from Shit Ghost because it's so, it's not like it's difficult to play or anything, but it's just so weird and intricate the way that sounds are being created. And I mean, obviously you graduated from listening to screamo and emo, obviously yeah. you don't listen to that anymore. I'm guessing you not really kind of found new influences. So what did you come across after that? Like, how did you get into that? It was actually from seeing local bands here playing and seeing kind of like the weird stuff that was going on, how kind of that weird stuff was being accepted. So she goes, I kind of got the idea and the inspiration from. I was playing with a band called SPG and the Vices. It's like a folk rock band at, at Barboza one night. And up in Numos, there's a band called This Will Destroy You playing. And I never heard of them before, but when they were doing their sound check, I wandered up there and I was the only one in the room. And they played this song called Dustism and it like literally like blew my mind. They had like these crazy visuals going. They're like an all instrumental band, kind of hardcore a little bit, um, but still like very shoegazy, very dreamy. It like blew my mind. And I'm like, this is like, yeah, I asked the guy at the merch table, I'm like, what band is this? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's like, oh, this is This Will Destroy You. And like, well, this is like the kind of music I want to be making. And in my head, though, I'm like, I don't know if anybody like listens to this stuff anymore. But then after our show, I walked up, whole place is sold out, it's packed, putting on a killer show, and I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. Great. Which is kind of why you know she goes started as an instrumental band because I'm like, we're just gonna do it instrumental. We're gonna do it, you know, loud and because a lot of my songs, the way I like to write is I like to be repetitive and I like 
I like to use time. Like instead of just repeating, you can repeat this phrase once or you can repeat it four times. I'll choose to repeat it four times because I like to let it sit in your head and like almost be like a little bit more hypnotic. Kind of like a trance. Kind of like a trance. I think it's a super effective thing that kind of gets lost a little bit with the pop music is, you know, because it's like very fast. You want to like get to the next part, keep the person entertained. But this is more of like trying to suck the person in and take them to like, you know, and if you keep hearing these same sounds like over and over because throughout a lot of these songs, they're 10 minute songs, but in the background, the same riff is playing almost the entire time. It may vary a little bit, but it helps keep you like focused. That's kind of like when I was in college, like studying for studying for stuff. I never listen to this music, but when I go to study, I'll put on like Dead Mouse or something that's just like do do super repetitive, and then I can like focus really hard on whatever it is I'm doing because there's not you know too much changing. Right. And like his songs are also like 10 minutes long. Mine are you know usually between eight and 15 minute long songs, which is you know crazy for nowadays. But <laughs> well, uh, it's definitely the kind of music that calls for visuals. Yes. Too. Like you said, that band had something going yes. on while they're performing. Were you always thinking you wanted a visual component to your performances and your your music mm-hmm. include art, or so, did that come later, like when no, you realized that, the kind of music you were doing? That came almost beforehand, like when I was creating the project, because like you're saying, it calls for a lot of visual engagement engagement as well. So that's why like, whenever we do shows, I'm like very careful about like how it's being presented, how the visuals are going to look. I knew I knew my wife was really good at the visual stuff, and she's super creative, and she basically does all of the visuals. Oh, that's great. For Shit Ghost, yeah. But in my mind, it's always been Shit Ghost is 50% visual, 50% music. I make the music, and then the visuals kind of bring it all together. Because without like without the visuals, I would not have done started doing this project because I knew the visuals are going to be the most important part uh, of, the, of the show. And it's also one of the most unique things you'll see. And I think the way we are doing our visuals is it's in the same way as the music. It's very hypnotic, very trans-like. Colorful. Very colorful, very bright. Yeah, it just matches the music like really, really well. And it just helps you get into that kind of hypnotic trans state, um, which is kind of what I think of like what psychedelic means, because that word can really mean anything. But I like to think of it as like being able to go to a different place or feel like you're somewhere else. I like to think of it as without the use of drugs. So that's right. like there's psychedelic drugs and there's psychedelic music. It both allows you to go to a different headspace. Go to a different headspace. Yeah, like just kind of go somewhere else. And I think that's what psychedelic music does. I'll never like advocate, be an advocate, I don't think, for like psychedelic drugs. Like I've done them and I think they're great and I'll still probably continue to do them, but I'm not going to be like... They don't work for everybody. Yeah. And like you have to watch Shit Ghost's new album, but take acid first, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. I think it's a it's, tall order for some people. Yeah. I think to be a successful psychedelic band, you should be able to achieve that musically and not you know, with use of drugs. Yeah, I mean, some of the weirdest, most outrageous bands, musically speaking, have nothing to do with drugs. Yeah, so it's true. People forget it's, that. It does make add a different element to it, for sure, but not one that I would advocate. So when did you start uh, playing regularly with Brian? When did you guys figure out what you were doing musically? So She Ghost is about, from its inception, almost a year. It'll be a year old in in May, so it's almost a year old. Um, I was booked to do some fingerstyle guitar stuff at the Rendezvous, just like opening for somebody else. And something got moved around to the schedule, and they said, okay, you're going to be headlining now. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want to headline with fingerstyle guitar music. So I was like, this is a good opportunity to blast this new project. And it's one of those things where the Rendezvous is so small 
that I didn't feel bad about, like, hey, I'm going to just debut this really weird thing for the first time. And I don't know if it was going to be something I was going to keep doing or just do the one time, but it was super well-received, and I felt I felt really good about what it was doing, so I wanted to just keep exploring that. Because uh, I got, like, so much good feel. It's such an emotional kind of performance. It, like, evokes a lot of... Yeah, you're dancing, you're moving, yeah, getting into it. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Like, that's not just the music. You know, you got this whole character as the ghost. Who came up with the costumes, the, the design? That was me. So I've, try, I try, I've tried different things before. I've tried, originally I had, like, these welder's goggles, which is the same thing, just kind of the white, but I could not see anything out of them. <laughs> like, it was pitch black. So then we found these hip, uh, hypno goggles in the, uh, like, Archie McPhee. It's one of my favorite stores. And, Great place around here. Oh yeah, it's a. We use a lot of their like little trinkets and toys in our visuals and stuff, like behind the green screen. We had this really cool one coming up of like these chattering teeth going up against like this uh, other wind up penguin on the moon and stuff like that. It's like a big battle between them. That'll be a really trippy one. But yeah, so we found these hypno goggles and I looked, tried those on with the mask. I'm like, this looks absolutely perfect because you got the same. It achieves what we're trying to do, which is like hypnotize and they're kind of like bug eyes yeah and they, they had this really cool effect on stage if like you barely move them it's like the light is hitting them the right way and it really like accentuates you know your head movements which is really cool so that's where we are at now um i still can't see very well out of those so i usually i have to practice with them on when i'm playing so you know otherwise if I, you know you go to play with them you're not used yeah, to you're playing gonna hit these, the wrong like, button or something oh yeah it's always a nightmare of mine but, you know, I still want to work with, like, a costume designer because I want to fix it a little bit to have it more, still have it be like a mask, but a little more heavy-duty one, kind of like a helmet so you can't see, like, inside at all. And I want, ultimately, these two glasses, each of them to be a little camera, so whoever's live VJing can switch between mine or Brian's vision, and you can see, like, Brian behind the drum kit playing, or you can see me if I'm, like, on the edge of the stage, like, looking at everybody down there, you can, like flash to these two circles of what's actually going on so i think that'd be a really cool effect to have if i have daft punk money and i can drop right like 15 grand on a mask <laughs> then i'll do that but i don't that's think a lot that's you could do <laughs> uh these artists you mentioned like you work with three different people how do you um beyond just uh like visuals projecting behind you i also uh heard you're doing a zine as well yeah so that's kind of a Part of it. I like to feature the psychedelic art scene in Seattle with this project. So I want she goes to be more of like a community of people. Uh, so like at the shows, we'll have people, friends of mine, or like really great artists that I've I believe that are like really great psychedelic artists feature their art like at the shows, kind of like a gallery mm. showing. Nice. So there'll be five or ten, five to ten paintings of you know curated stuff, and we try and sell them. Sometimes they sell, which is really great for the artists. And then I take those same artists. And we have a zine, which kind of tells the story, the origin story of Shit Ghost. And so it's basically illustrated by my wife as well. She's a really great illustrator. And it's just like five, it's about 10 to 15 pages of Shit Ghost's story, animated like a children's book and written out like a children's book. And in between, intermittent between the pages, you have psychedelic art from these various artists as well. And, you know, we, we sell like our merch and stuff in there too. So it's like for each record that comes out, it's going to be paired with a zine that tells the story of this ghost. Oh, it's almost like a comic book. It's like a, kind of like a comic book, yeah. But there's going to be, right now, there's going to be five albums and five zines, and then it's going to be done as far as the writing for it. So it's almost like writing a, it is kind of like writing a movie or a story where 
the music has to line up with this ghost journey back on Earth and him trying to get back to the afterlife, whatever it is. So it's those, I'm trying to tell that story in five albums and hopefully do like an album every year or every other year and go from there. I, I mean, wow. ideally still keep playing and stuff like that, but I think it's good to have, because I see that with a lot of artists. And I, I don't want to be, uh, I want to have it like get in, get out. If I want to do another project after that, that's great. But I think there's a lot to be said to like kind of like close the book yeah, on you, something. Yeah, you have a concept and you see it through within a certain amount of time and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, David Bowie with his different characters, his different like oh, totally. artistic periods or whatever. It's very clearly thought out and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm, I'm, that's kind of how my brain works. It's like I like to plan things to the end. And like every day I have like my plan for the rest of my life, I feel like. So I have, this is the next period, going to be the next period of my life, these five, six years, whatever it is. And then I just like to be able to close the book and not have to be like, after it's done, keep thinking, about oh, what do I have to do with this thing next? Like, what am I supposed to do? It's like, if it's done, then it's, it's done and it's out there. And it was, you know, I think there's something to be said about having just been around in the moment of when it was existing I'm, just, I'm saying that now. All this could definitely change. Yeah, know, plans still. can always change. <laughs> but do you, so you already have like uh, you got a album coming out soon, right? A shit ghost album is yeah, on its way. We're releasing it in June 16th at the High Dive. It's called the Creation. So it's basically the creation story and the origin story of shit ghost, and the visuals will line up with that. So it's just kind of like an introduction to the world, like of this project. So it doesn't really explain too much about him or what's going to come after, but it's just kind of a good, weird... Origin story. Good, weird origin story, and there, it's very eclectic. There's five songs on there. The, so the album's almost 50 minutes long, though, and they're all very different from each other, kind of showcasing different sides. Um, there's like some, a lot of piano in there. I like to play the piano a lot, so I like to incorporate that. I can't really do that too much live, but in the record and the producing, it's something that I like to incorporate. Add in, yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, re I'm really stoked on it. It's all, uh, it's all mastered. It's all good to go. So now I'm just waiting, trying to promote it as much as possible, you know? Now, but it's not like uh, Shit Ghost is your first musical project. What have you been doing before that? Well, I would say, well, I have my acoustic stuff. Right, the playing the guitar in that yeah. unique way you were describing. So I go under the name Samuel Orson for that, which that's going to be like an ongoing thing throughout my whole life. So I've been doing that since you know, the freshman in college. And even right now I'm doing this thing where I'm writing a song a day for 120 days. Oh my God. It just did finish day 68 today before I came over here. That's brutal. Uh, it is. I wish I would have known what I was getting myself into because it's really tiring, but. <laughs> I could see doing a song every other day, but a song a day for 120 days. A song a day. That's so your pace? Yeah. So I'll live stream me writing the song and then, which takes, you know, between 30 minutes and an hour and then actually going back and recording it. That's what's, the time-consuming part. You know, if I'm having a good day, I can do it in two hours. If I'm having a rough day, it can be like six or seven, and that's really Whew. frustrating. You're a hard worker. Yeah, it's too much, too much, a little bit too much work, but it's the same kind of style as I write with Shit Ghost. It's written in kind of pop music format, you know, just intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, outro. And But it's all very repetitive, just like Shit Ghost is. A lot of time, because like, I use the loop pedal to write a lot of the stuff. So there's a lot of that really repetitive stuff. So each song is kind of its own. It can, you can really, if you listen to it more than 30 seconds of it, you really get locked into the mood of the song. So I, I'm doing that's my other main project, and that's what I use to make the majority of my money as a musician because it's really 
it's worldwide since it's all instrumental, so it's easier to market to. Oh, nice, yeah. So you can get on playlists in like Philippines, Brazil, and, all, and it's just as appealing worldwide as it is anywhere because there's no lyrics, anything yeah, like yeah. that. And the acoustic guitar is such a pretty instrument and recognizable that um, it's a little easier to grow a fan base that way. I used to make instrumental music when I was a teenager. I should get back into that. No, it's it's a good way to. I want a break from just writing pop songs. Sometimes. No, it's a good way to make good way to make money, and it's also a really good way to just practice your, especially like your melody writing, because it's basically I have to I add in the drums, the bass, the harmonics, all that kind of stuff. But the two things that require the creative energy are kind of like the main riff, like the progression. Yeah, you got to come up with a chord progression. And progression, stuff. and then the melody. So those are the two things. So it's like really an exercise in writing melodies. Because every day you have to write a new one. It doesn't matter if you're like hungover or sick. Like you still, which is the hard part it's about like it. It's like a job. It's like a job. It is a job. It, yeah. I've, I've kind of considered it like a job. So there's that. So that's the one thing I am actually in charge of. Then I've drum. I play drums for a band called SPG and the Vices. Uh, and I play drums for a guy named Arthur James as well. And it's kind of like singer songwriters. Like I, it's more of their thing because they're the ones that are in charge writing like all the music and writing the lyrics and stuff so i don't have too much you get to sit back a little bit a little bit yeah and i i really do like that and i was you know i would have no problem with my life being playing drums for either of those guys full time that'd be great but i also have a like i move at a very fast pace and i like to be in control of the things so that's kind of why i started shit ghost and i was able to start it and create something exactly how i wanted it to be and like as weird as I want it to be, and if it was too weird, then that's totally fine, because it's you know this one's mine, and I'm working on this. And Brian is really, Brian does have a lot of influence over it because I respect his opinion like an, an insane amount. And so it's kind of like a little bit of a collaboration between us musically, but I'm kind of the one that's making all the original. Yeah, but it is great to have that other person to bounce ideas off. Yeah, because of. you never know if you. Because sometimes I do something that's stupid or. And I'm like, this is really awesome. And then you don't like, have any perspective. Yeah, it's like, this yeah. is not awesome. And I'm like, listen to it like a day later. I'm like, that was not awesome. <laughs> My last question. How do I get into the Zombo Club? Oh, how do you get into the Zombo Club? Yeah. Well, anything is possible at the Zombo Club, first of all. Once you're in the Zombo Club, Once you're club, in the though. Zombo Club, the only limit is yourself. But you just have to get invited. And the best way to get invited is just go to the Shit Ghost website and, you know, click the accept invite. All right, and, I'll try that. And then you're in. Sounds good. All right, yeah, I want to get Shit Ghost in here, talk to him in a second, so. Uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's around here. I'll go f- rally him up. Yeah, get him ready. Thanks, thanks so much for coming over oh, today. Oh, of course. Thank you, Thomas. So, yeah, that was Sam. I don't know how that guy does it, generating so much good music and art constantly. He's a great performer as well. Shit Ghost definitely puts on a show to be remembered. If you like this episode of Talking About the Passion, please subscribe to it on iTunes. It would also be lovely if you left a rating and wrote a review on there as well. I always appreciate it very much. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album, Eating Peaches. If anyone has suggestions, questions, or comments for me about the podcast, you can send them over to tatppodcast at gmail.com. I mentioned in a previous episode that Talking About the Passion is now on social media. You can follow it on Twitter at TATP Podcast. Like it on Facebook. Just look up Talking About the Passion there. And lastly, I have an Instagram for both Niagara Moon and the podcast. So find me on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. So now, to play us out, 
What does that mean to play us out? <laughs> uh, to play us out, here's another track from Shit Ghost. This is called The Meeting of James Franco. After you listen to that, be sure to go on to part two and get to know the Shit Ghost himself. Bye bye for now.
just like you, but you are nothing like me. I know what you're gonna 